0: Chapter 5, we will begin reading this evening in verse 15, once again, we'll stop at verse 33. Brethren, let us hear God's word. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of this precious word to our hearts this evening. (coughs) Marriage is an institution created by Almighty God. The relationship of man and wife in that holy institution is set before us here in comparison to the relationship of Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. Now, with this inspired analogy, the Apostle speaks to husbands and wives across the millennia Regarding God's holy order. Now, we began to consider the issue of submission in our last study, and we take it up again in this one. In our last message, we considered two of three heads. Uh, The first was to whom should wives submit? Then, secondly, we considered in what manner should wives submit? And now this evening, we take up the third head. Why should wives submit? Why is this? That's our one theme this evening. We want to break it up with uh, just a few subheads. We want to consider first because it is a command of God. Secondly, because the husband is the head of the wife. And lastly, because the church is subject unto Christ. Now, as we saw last time, the word submit means Submission in the sense of voluntary yielding in love. It is a yielding in love. It is a subordinate role. It is someone subordinating himself or herself to another. And in this context, it is the wife to her husband. Now, it is quite amazing if you will read... Feminist literature, which I don't recommend, but if you ever read any of it, they will do everything they can to skirt what this passage is saying. And it is tragic to see people with, obviously, the brilliant minds that they have and the great skills that they have Yet, employing those gifts to, uh, if I can use the word, uh, water, water down or even completely uh, turn around what the Scripture is saying here. I uh, had a study Bible once that I used to turn to and read to friends. With laughter, because I would read to I would read to them Romans chapter nine, and then I would read the notes, and the notes said exactly the opposite that the passage said. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have bought this particular study Bible, and and, and yet I've heard people stand and argue their footnotes, rather then argue the text. Now, at least some of the feminists have tried to become more involved in the text. Even still, they ultimately do all they can to say what they don't want it to say. They can't stand that it says. It is not unlike those in the scientific community who know that there are very, very severe problems with evolution. But they will fight to the teeth for it because they can't stand the only other option. And they can look at the errors that they know that are there. And I'm going to talk about all of them. I'm just saying that there are some. And I've even heard some of them even admit Yes, there are difficulties with what we believe, but the only other option is to believe in a Creator. And we don't believe that. And we have very similar treatment of these passages. The only other option, <laughs> the only option that this passage sets before us is a relationship of submission and a relationship of headship. And they cannot abide that. And I, I grieve for them because in not being able to abide in it, they put themselves in opposition to God, which of course they believe we're doing. But we do believe, regardless, because we are compelled by the usage over and over and over and over throughout the New Testament of the word submission and subjection. That is exactly what it means. <clears throat> I was reading in a woman's commentary today. It was a day when we didn't have to have individual reference tools, but now today we have to have women's Bible studies. and Women's study Bibles. And it is because they don't like what those other studies are saying. <laughs> and so they've got their own. And, and it was quite fascinating to watch the woman who was writing comment on this particular passage Do everything she could to pull the teeth out of this passage. Yes, it's, yes, it commands submission, but, 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 and by the time you finished with all of that, submission didn't mean much of anything. It just, what it, what, what it ended up meaning was, listen, you guys, you better love these women. And of course, that's true. But submission is still submission. And you can try to qualify it all the ways you want. But the fact is, subjection means that you bow yourself to the authority of another. And that is what the feminist, and that is what all of us by nature, hate. We hate authority. We don't mind authority as long as it doesn't tell us what to do. But the minute it begins to tell us what to do, we don't like it. So, what is Paul telling us? Well, you don't really need a lot of commentaries to understand it. And while there are some deep, dark, and difficult passages throughout Scripture, this is not one of them. The words are clear. The usage of the words is clear. They're used like this throughout all the Scriptures. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now, with every qualification that we can put on this, with every admonition to you husbands to love your wives as Christ loves the church, with everything that we can say to put all the footnotes in place so that we don't sound like chauvinist oinkers. The fact of the matter is that the passage says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Be in submission. This is not a club to beat people into subjection with, which unfortunately, some in their ignorance and in their sinfulness do not here to bludgeon anyone but i do want us to get a firm grasp of the context in which these things are said and is why we read the extensive passage that we did last time and we, ter- we return to this type of thinking even now paul has told us in verse 15 that we are to walk circumspectly uprightly not as fools but as wise And this has a great deal to do with governing the rest of the chapter. Walking in wisdom, then, according to the Word of God, according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is for wives to walk in submission to their husbands and husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Now, that's about the last I'm going to talk to the men tonight. Oh, We've we've made all our caveats, and we want everyone to know. And we made it clear last week we're not we're not we don't believe in uh, in wicked, ugly uh, dictators, but we do believe in heads of homes. And I address this to you, sisters, in the hopes that you will find great encouragement here, and not oppression. That you will actually find liberty, and not Oppression, that which is so feared with that word submission. Now, we want to take up this first notion. Why should wives submit? And it is because it is a command of the Lord. In the passage, we've seen that it is wise to walk in submission. It goes on to say in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. It's an evil day. And therefore, submit yourselves. That's our context. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled, be filled with the Spirit. speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that is a manifestation of being filled with the Spirit. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord is a manifestation. Making melody in your heart to the Lord is a manifestation of being filled with the Spirit. Giving thanks always for all things is a manifestation of being filled with grace the Spirit, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, he is addressing this, as he has from the beginning of the uh, uh, epistle, to the church. In this assembly, we are to be in submission one to another. There is a sense in which all of us are to submit to all the rest. That's one of the beauties. That's one of the blessings of a local church. And then Paul begins to break down the various relationships that can be found within the assembly. And he doesn't exhaust them. But he gives some of the more prominent ones showing how submission works out. And here it is. Wives, submit yourselves under your own husbands. This is an expression of being filled with the Spirit. It's quite interesting to me, a very bizarre and ironic phenomena, but within many of the Pentecostal denominations, which believe in women preachers. One of their other boasts is being filled with the Spirit. And yet, they often operate in a way that is diametrically opposed to what Paul says here as far as being filled with the Spirit. I'm not putting on the gloves. I'm not trying to come out boxing with anybody. But if you look around, you will find some very interesting and ironic understandings of these things. What we have set before us, again, is what does the rule of Christ look like on earth? What does the rule of Christ look like? What does His kingdom in this world before the final consummation look like? Well, it is a spiritual kingdom that is entered only by the power of the new birth. You must be born again or you will not see the kingdom of God, you enter that glorious kingdom by the new birth, and you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. That is how you live. What does it look like? What does kingdom living look like? Well, it looks like a lot of things. But right here, it looks like wives submitting to their own husbands. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. It's a command of the Lord. Paul is not making any suggestions here. He's not giving options. This is not an alternative. Uh, By the way, let me throw in a a personal footnote. I hate that talk that you so often hear among Christians that everything we do has to be an alternative to what the world's doing. They don't have the truth. So they're not the model that we should be modeling from. We have the truth because we have God's Word. It's not us. It is our God who has spoken. So Paul's not giving us a nice alternative to what the world's doing. He's saying this is what men were created to be. This is what women were created to be. Everything else is an alternative to God's truth. When you see women standing up and saying, my life, I do what I want. That's the alternative to what God has said. This is the unchanging truth of Almighty God. And when the Spirit of God fills the heart of a woman, she will submit herself to her husband. It is a joyful, willing submission, sometimes not without her own fleshly struggles and resistance, especially if you were reared any time in the last 50 years in this country. By nature, you resist it and you've been filled with it from the government schools to everything in the media that you can possibly imagine. But when the, when the Spirit of God takes up residence and the kingdom begins to manifest itself in this world, this is one of the ways we recognize it. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Now, as I said, this is a command. This is an imperative. There is no suggestion option, or alternative. This is the command. Now, this is. Let me keep one more thing off my chest here. I couldn't believe how many documents I read by conservatives, by conservatives that have been so cowed by the feminists that when they write, they say Paul asks women to submit themselves to their husbands here. And Paul asks the husbands to love their wives. Paul doesn't ask anybody to do anything here. (laughs) I didn't come here to vent tonight, but I mean, it really gets me. (laughs) It really gets me when conservatives get out and they whimper in front of all these other people and say, Well, you know, Paul's just asking them to do it. No, he's not. He's commanding them. You do this because it's the will of God. Now, he's not being ugly and he's not wagging his finger and he probably wasn't as loud as I get. The point is, it's a command of God. That's why you do it. We can go through all of the other things. We can try to make this sound nice and flowery and sweet. And I can exegete all of this and I can just lay it out as as plainly as I can. But the simple fact of the matter begins with the fact that this is an imperative. It's an imperative. When it says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, He's not asking fathers not to make his, their, their children angry. He's commanding them. He may not be thundering like Mount Sinai. It, parents, don't ask your children to do things. Now, there may be some time as they're older when you ask them to do certain things. But the point is the issue of authority must come into play. It must use, It must be used wisely. But don't say, would you like to clean your room up? Would you like to do this for mommy? Just say, sweetheart, go do this. You don't have to get a big Ugly red face, you don't have to yell. But tell them what they need to do. I mean, when you go into the military, they don't ask you to get up at five in the morning. They don't ask you if you'd like to march for the next ten miles. They tell you what to do. Why? If there's a picture of authority on the planet, it's right there. They understand that the only way it works is that there's a hierarchy. And there are those that give orders and those who take orders. Again, some of you may be hearing all kinds of things. You may have experiences that are throwing all kinds of wild pictures into your mind. But just listen to the Word of God. And let me say it nicely. Paul isn't asking anybody to do anything. He's commanding us by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us. He's not asking us to submit to one another. He's telling us, I am in submission to you. You are in submission to me in various levels. Now, I have a role, and in that role, you're to respect that. Brother Stephen has a role. You're to respect that. Every father here, every mother has a role. You have roles that must be respected for what they are and treated as the Word of God says But God's not asking us. He's telling us. Parents, tell your children what you need to do. They need to understand that there are times when there aren't any options. Because when you say, would you like to do this? Would you like to come to the phone and talk to Grandpa? You might get, no. It's come here and talk to Grandpa. Come here, sweetheart, and teach them. Now, if that sounds mean and ugly, you put the nice face on it that you want to, but you need to tell them. You need to tell them. And, And wives, you need to submit yourself to your husbands. Well, that's a scary thought. It sure is. It sure is, especially knowing how faulty men are. I understand that. But you see, all of this is about walking by faith. We trust our God. We trust our God, and we wait for His blessing as we walk in His Word. Now, we want to push this issue of authority just a little bit more, because we're dealing with the Word of God. It's a shame today. Everybody is so sensitive in this society. You have to qualify everything that you're going to say ten times before you get to the point. <laughs> but the, the fact of the matter comes right out of the barrel of the gun here, so to speak. Is when God commands, we're to listen. Well, this is Paul writing. Yes, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is a command of the living God. Authority resides in the triune God. That's where we always have to begin. Authority uh, uh, resides in the triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, uh, that we we refer to Him as the first person of the Holy Trinity, is worshipped and adored as the sovereign of the universe. Psalm 47, verse 2. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is great king over all the earth. Psalm 115:3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he pleased. Now he's, see we all want to be like that. We want to do whatever we please. But God's the only one that can. And he does. That's why our liberty is in doing what He wants us to do. Because then we're doing what's right and we're doing what we were made for. And it's glorious. It is true liberty. True liberty is being set free from the bondage of the idolatry of self to serve the living God in joyful obedience. The Father is God the reigning Sovereign. And He does what He pleases. But the Son is also God. Jesus Christ has all the authority of God because He is God the Son. He is to be exalted by men, as is the Father, as He plainly tells us in John's Gospel. John chapter 1, verse 1, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's people look with great joy to their Lord and to His coming. Jesus Christ is the living God. And therefore, because He is God, because He's the Creator of all things, and because there is no other God, He is authority. Absolute glorious authority. Raw power would scare us to death. But this God who has all power is also a God of wisdom, a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of grace. And so we need not fear how He uses His power. And when we see it unleashed in judgment, we stand in awe. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, and likewise exercises great authority, especially in the life of every believer. And the Spirit is addressed as God. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 uh, tell us this. Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to the living God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we may rejoice that this God has revealed Himself Unto us in Him resides all authority because there is none else. There is no other God. Look unto Me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. I am God. There is none else. And because this triune God has all authority then authority is revealed in His Word. When He speaks, it is authority to us. My dad had a certain tone of voice. And when he said, jump, the only question was, how long do you want me to stay up there? And when I heard that, Speaking, I without long before I ever even knew the word authority, I knew that I needed to heed what he was saying. There are commanding presences; it's true, but the issue ultimately is not so much the presence or the tone of voice. But the fact that God has spoken, God speaks. And when He speaks, brethren, we ought to be craning our necks. We ought to be leaning forward. We ought to be cupping both hands over our ears and saying, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth." Speak to me. Speak! And He does. But brethren, when He does, we must not, we must not take it lightly. And that's what brings us back to our passage. Why should wives submit themselves unto their own husbands? Not because chauvinist pigs think they ought to do that. Not because, well, it's just a patriarchal world that this thing was written in, and now we've got to update it and put it into our liberated society. We're to hear it because it's the Word of God. And if you don't begin there, you can go to all the wedding and marriage seminars you want to. You can go buy all the tapes you want to, read all the books you want to. You will never have a marriage as God has ordained it. So this is where we begin. Wives, why should you submit? Because God says so. Because God says so. And that means it's holy, it's wise, It's just, it's good, it's righteous, it's holy. Now, the Scriptures are the eternal Word of God, and as such they are the sole authority and rule in life for all of God's children. The Gormans loaned me a DVD about God's work in China. And there are a number of moving passages in it. But there is is a point where they were talking about the scarcity of of Bibles and, and how in this one study, this group of people that gathered together they had a portion of the Bible began in Romans and went to the end. They didn't have, that's, they didn't have the entire Bible. They didn't have the entire New Testament even. Just from Romans to the end. And they said they would pass it around in the room from person to person and they would hold it to their hearts and they would kiss it with tears by the time it got back to the person who started it off, it was damp with tears. Now, is this just a nice, warm, fuzzy religious story? Or does it say something that we in the West very often miss with our piled up Bibles that have dust on them? We don't take the Word of God seriously. Job said, I esteem it above my necessary food. Christ said, Man shall not live by, uh, by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That's not unusual to get hearty amends at that point. But the Lord's not impressed with our amends. This is given to us so that we might walk in it in joy and in liberty in praising our God. The Scriptures are the authority of God. It is settled in heaven forever. And they will furnish all of us unto every good work. And one of those is our theme this evening. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. The God of all authority has spoken in His Word, which is authority. And we need to, with joy and praise and thanksgiving, receive it. Well, that's the first thought. Wives should submit because it's the command of God. Secondly, wives should submit because the husband is the head of the wife. Now, feminists have done all they can to reinterpret this passage and to change this specific word, head, no one can get around the fact that the word head is there and the fact that by far, by far, the primary usage is authority. However, we even use the term in English this way sometimes. We talk about the head of the river, meaning the source. And this is what the feminists have latched onto. They've said, ah, there's another meaning and it's source. And that's what Paul means. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the source of the wife, even as Christ is the source of the church. And they want to point back to Genesis and say, see, back in Genesis, the wife was taken out of Adam, remember? And so, man is the source of woman, just as the church is the source of Christ. Well, that's a pretty good argument. The problem with it is, first of all, by far and away, always until recently, it has been understood by its primary meaning. Why hasn't it been thought of that way recently? Because people are doing all they can, having been sucked into the lie of feminism, to change what's being said here. One of the commentators said, Look to the lexicons, and that will tell you how to understand the Greek word kephale, which is head here. But let me tell you this. It's not going to be long before they change the lexicons. You mark it down. Sooner or later, the next editions of the lexicons will include this in such a way as that they will be able to make their claims. Now, I could spend a great deal of time on it. A lot of ink has been spilled on this particular subject. You can read scholarly sources until your eyes drop out. Uh, Wayne Grudem has done an extraordinary and expansive study of, of the word head and the way that it's used in every, every uh, place that it is found in the, the Greek lexicons and in the Greek literature as well as in the scriptures. But brethren, even the context here points to the fact that head doesn't mean source. Christ certainly is our source. There's no doubt about that. He's the Creator. And He's our source in the fact that He's our, uh, our Savior. There is, there is no church apart from the fact that He's our Lord and our Savior. But to narrow it down to this, to skirt the obvious issue, is tragic. Because the, the very context is pointing to relationships of Submission. Christians don't bow to Christ simply because they came from Him. They bow to Him because He's the Lord. They bow to Him because He's the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for... And this is the word, because, this is how four is being used here, because the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. He's the Lord and Savior. He's the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ in a position of subordination, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This doesn't make much sense at all if we press it to the narrower meaning of head. And, and one of the reasons is because it doesn't read naturally. It, because it isn't what it means. For all the PhDs and all of the squabbling, God ordained roles. Notice that it says the husband is the head of the wife. Verse 22 says, Submit yourselves. And the word submit is an action verb. It's an action verb. It shows doing action. Is is indicative in, in in the sense that it uh, it's a being verb to be, and we decline that is, be, am, those types of things. I am, you be. You are. He is. Now, those point to a state of being, and. Again, sometimes we get a little bored with grammar, but it's very important. Notice that it says, Wives, do something active because of a state of being. And that state of being is that the husband is your head. He is your head. Husbands, you don't need to try to be the head of your home. You are the head. You have been appointed by God. You are the head. Now you should act. Like one, you should actively be what you are. But the point is, you don't have to run for office. You don't have to try to convince everybody around you that that this is the case. Just be it. Do what the head does. Because you are. Husbands, the husband is, he bees the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ exists as the head of His church, the authority, the Lord, the ruler, the king, the master. And what we have is Christ in a role and the church in a role of submission to Him. And that is the analogy set before us. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, even as Christ, excuse me, as the church submits unto Christ. And thirdly, Why should submit? Because the church is subject unto Christ. That's the analogy given us. All of this runs right into each other. The husband is the head and he's the head because God's ordained it that way and because the church is subject unto Christ. Therefore, as in the same manner like the church is subject unto Christ. Now, why is the church subject unto Christ? Because God the Father hath made Him Lord and Christ. Read Acts 2. Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven and earth is given unto Me. Jesus is the head of the church because as the firstborn that did the Father's will as the one who accomplished all that the Father sent Him to do in keeping the law in His life and in dying upon the cross, bearing the, the, the wrath of God for the sins of His people. In everything that He did, He obeyed what the Father called Him to do. And the Father blessed Him and rewarded Him. And He gave all authority in heaven and in earth to the risen and glorious Christ. He's the head of his people, the head of the church, anointed with the Holy Spirit and appointed by God his Father. He is Lord and Christ. No one else can make him that. Anybody can challenge it that they want to, but they'll lose because he is the living God. He is the living God. And because He is the head of the church, the church takes a role of subordination to Him. He bought us. He bought us with His precious blood. As they beat the thorns into His head, as they nailed Him to the cross, His back ripped to shreds by their whips, He was buying His bride with His life's blood. And God the Father raised Him from the dead and raised Him to glory and power at His right hand for all eternity. He's the Lord. He's the Creator. He's Messiah. And we as His purchased possession bow to Him. Therefore, as the church is, it's a state of being. That's what we are. We can't be anything other than that. We might get up on our haunches sometime, rear back, and, and in our flesh think we're going to do something because, well, we're just going to do it. Unfortunately, if we're His children, we'll usually pay for that dearly as we learn that, no, He's the Lord and we're not. But the point is that the church is subject to Christ. He's the Lord. He bought us. And He commands us to obey Him. The the epistle to the Ephesians even points this out. In chapter 1, verse 22, it says, as Paul prays this glorious uh, prayer, and says, "...what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead?" and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And have put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. Now, brethren, if that's not ruling and reigning, we need another language if that is not power, if that is not sovereign rule, if that is not glorious authority in the use of the word head, we need another language. We need an interpreter. It is tragic to see people try to change this word in the light of what the entire epistle unfolds to say. Jesus is the head over all all power, principalities, dominion, might, and anything you can name. He's not just our source. He's the head as Lord. And as the church is subject to him, so the wife should be subject to her husband. Now, we'll take up in the weeks ahead what the extent of that That submission is. But let me close by saying this. As we've considered just these few thoughts this evening, wives are to submit to their husbands because it is the apostolic order for church and home. It's right here. We're to walk as the wise. We're not to be drunk with wine. We're to be filled with the Spirit. What does being filled with the Spirit look like? We speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. We give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. We submit ourselves to one another as an assembly. And wives... Submit yourselves to your own husbands. That's apostolic order for the church and for the home. Secondly, it is a manifestation of putting off the old man and putting on the new. Back in chapter 4, Paul speaks very plainly about the old man and the new man and how the Gentiles walk in their darkness and how these uh, Ephesians are now to put on the new man. Put off the old man. Walk like what you are. Walk like someone washed in the blood of the Lamb, bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, filled with His Spirit, born again into His glorious kingdom, bowing to His Lordship. What does it look like? Well, when we put off the old man, we put on the new. One of the things we see is wives submitting themselves to their own husbands. as we've already said number 3 it is the manifestation of being filled with the spirit number 4 it is life as it was created to be we are restored to god the father in this order this is how we created it in the garden i utterly agree uh, disagree with those among the reformed circles and among evangelical circles that say that man having authority over woman was a result of the fall and that's a very popular teaching in some of our reformed seminaries I utterly disagree with that the order was in place before before Adam fell God created Adam First and gave him the commandments. And Paul proves that to us by appealing to that in 1 Timothy, Timothy chapter 2. He says, Wives are, uh, Women are not supposed to teach in the assembly. Why? Because Adam was created first. He appeals to the creation order, not the fall, but to the creation order. So, when we see this, Again, not not dogged, servile submission. Life that's wearying because you're you're married to such a donkey. Men, be holy. May your wives rejoice that this is life the way it's supposed to be. And you better humble yourself before the living God. I said we're going to talk to men anymore. All right. Talking to women tonight, and finally. It speaks to the world of the gospel of Christ. It speaks to the world of the gospel of Christ. In verse 32, as Paul closes this chapter, he says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All this that I've been saying to you about submission and and loving your wives as Christ loved the church, this is all a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. The greatest story. Ever told. The grandest romance. The father gives the son a bride and he comes and spills his life's blood for her. Never a greater story. Does any of this make sense to you? Do you read the scriptures this way? Is this this what you read? Does this upset you to hear this? Oh, brethren, it's life. Sisters, it's life. I grieve if if you're saddled to a man who makes being a woman miserable. And I pray that every man in here will repent of his wormness and walk like a man and love his wife as Christ loved the church. But wives, when all is said and done, the authority, the Word of God has spoken place. Submit yourselves to your own husbands. It brings glory to God because it is a picture of the church submitting to Christ. Let's pray. Blessed and Holy Father, we thank Thee for the mercies Thou has granted us. We thank Thee for all that that, uh, Your Word sets before us. And we know that there are great strugglings over these passages. But, O Father... Part of the reason is because of the rebellious flesh that's still in so many that profess to be thine. Part of it is because of terrible experiences with those who have abused authority. And we know and we understand that and we sympathize with it and we grieve over it. Though, Lord, we may not change Your order because of the abuses of men. And, O Holy Father, I do pray that You would bless every home represented here tonight that there would be sweetness and peace under the roof as man and woman walk together in the gospel mystery.
1: And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats.